In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast heard in over 100 countries. And as we did last time, we're going international again today, which I'll talk about here in just a minute. But if you appreciate this podcast, as always, we really appreciate it when you like us on LinkedIn, when you give us a review on iTunes, and when you support our sponsor, Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions for industrial process engineering. Anderson Hauser serves many industries across the globe, including a focus in oil and gas. Anderson Hauser is the people for process automation. Let them know you appreciate the show by going to our website, our OGGN Anderson Hauser website, which you can find a link to in the show notes. And you can also register for our monthly giveaway. Also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And that contact info you can also find in the show notes. Before I introduce our guest, I want to talk about just a couple of things about OGGN. As I said, we we are heard in over 100 countries, but our biggest audience is in Texas and it is in the Houston, Texas area. And so for those of you listening in Houston, OGGN has started. In fact, we kicked off. You'll probably be listening to this almost in time for our next happy hour in July, but we're actually recording this in June. And we kicked off our first happy hour last night at a location called the Cannon. OGGN, for those of you in the Houston area, we're amping up our collaboration with the Cannon. One of the things we're doing is a promotion where you can actually get a free day pass and discount codes if you're an OGGN listener at the Cannon. The Cannon is also a global membership community that is building a virtual and physical network. So this applies to anybody, even if you're not in Houston. So it's a virtual and physical network of entrepreneurs, startups, investors, advisors, and established companies to connect innovators of all types and from all backgrounds with the resources they need to succeed. If you're looking for that kind of platform, or again, if you're in the Houston area and you're looking for flexible office or desk space that you can take a break from your work at home, mention OGGN at the front desk and you get the Canon for a free day pass. There's also some other promotions we're doing with Canon and you can go to our OGGN website to find out about those. And that's where you can also find our other lineup of podcasts, including some of our newer ones. Check out the Scale Ups podcast. That's one of our newest podcasts and the content on that is great and you'll want to check that out. Okay, so let's get to it, folks. We're going to introduce our guest here. And in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let our guest actually introduce himself. You know, when it when it comes to introductions, when I make speeches, people say I don't need an introduction nearly as bad as I need a conclusion. But George, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Give us your name because I can't pronounce it with my Texas accent. Tell us where you're at right now. Thank you very much, Russell Stewarter. Thanks to OGGN for the opportunity to get to meet with uh, people around the world and also share my points and my views as uh, regards HSC. My name is George Onoagulichi. I'm a HSC coordinator with one of the oil servicing companies in Nigeria. 
We are into we are into engineering, construction, procurement, maintenance, and inspections for inspection services for top oil and gas exploration and production companies in my country. I'm in the city of Lagos, which is the largest city in Nigeria, a very bubbling city with thriving people, happy people, and lots of upcoming businesses. And for the oil and gas here in Lagos, we, we do not drill. We do not drill here. I'm, I'm at the head office, and then we work offshore and also onshore to onshore sites that are outside of Lagos, located in other states in the country, and then off the coast of the country too, when it comes to the offshore operations that we're engaged in. Thank you very much, Stephen. Oh, well, thanks for coming on the show, George. The reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I actually saw a LinkedIn post that you posted, oh, about a week ago, and it actually made quite a splash, and it got a lot of comments and it got a lot of likes you're actually known on linkedin as the safety guy <laughs> yes yes well so and one of the comments uh, you made on another post that is something that someone else had posted about the proper use of fire extinguishers you reference what you call the safety gospel yeah <laughs> yes so what you said and let me just interrupt right here and ask you a quick question. So we're talking about you work for a company in Nigeria and you you guys, you actually work with some of the super majors, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like Shell and Exxon. Shell, Exxon. Yeah. We can say that. We can mention that. That's fine. That gives you credibility and gravitas, George, because those are, of course, of course, fine, super major countries. Now you're talking offshore so this would be off of the coast of Africa, right? Yeah. And even onshore, is that in Nigeria? Yeah, onshore. We have swamp sites onshore in Nigeria here and brownfields in Nigeria here. So that would be in Nigeria, yes, onshore. So your 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 experience is African. You don't have any Middle East experience, do you? No, no, no. I do not have any Middle East experience. Hopefully, oh, okay. I should well, have one one day. <laughs> Well, I struck out here. We had a really nice five-star review on iTunes here a few weeks ago, and it was from someone in the Middle East, and they said, we really wish you could get somebody on the show to talk about the safety culture in the Middle East. So if anybody's listening and they want to come on the show and talk about the safety culture in the in the Middle East, we would welcome having you come on. And even, even us over here in the States, we'd be curious about that as well. So this LinkedIn post... You said you wanted to talk about five things they do not tell you about being a safety professional. Yes. And you actually, five things, you did them in less than a minute. And I wanted to bring you on the show and see if we can turn that into about 20 minutes. Oh, great. Now, George, that's not what you normally do. You know, I mean, a, <laughs> a good speech, a good speech should be like a comet, dazzling, eye-opening, and over before you know it. Exactly. So usually you take long speeches and you try to boil them down, but we're going to we're gonna go through these five things they don't tell you about being a safety professional that you mentioned on there, and we're going to expand on them and we're going to flesh them out a little bit. The first one you said was, number one, your business is tied to people. Yes, your success actually is tied to people as a safety professional because you need people's buying and uh, safety is about the people. And if there is nobody, then there can't be safety. If there are no people, there can't be safety. And to get people's buying, I would say it's one of the challenging tasks you would be facing as a safety professional because you're dealing with people from various backgrounds, people with various perception, risk perception, 
people with various opinions, and especially if you're coming up with maybe a new program. Take, for example, now a new program on behavioral safety, and then you're telling people that there is an expected way to act, there is an expected way to carry out the task, and they are not used to used to these ways in which you're telling them or what you're expecting of them. They've been doing tasks in certain ways, even before they met you, and then you're now trying to get their buy-in. It's something that takes time and a lot of conscious effort. And again, also the management is not left out here. You want to initiate a program and you'll be needing like support from the management to see that this program is successful. You need to buy, you need to have the management's buying and commitment. You really need to be convincing. If not, then then you, you would find your efforts being frustrated. And then secondly, if people are safe, if people carry out their task in a safe way, if people follow procedures, if people report hazards, if people participate in safety in the organization, it's a credit to you. So you see your success is tied to people's participation in safety, is tied to engaging people, and is then tied to people actually buying into what you want them to do. If people are not buying into what you want them to do, then you wouldn't be successful. You don't see the trends of success as a safety professional. Well, there you go. In the equestrian world, there's an old saying about if if you have enough horse sense to treat your people like a thoroughbred, they won't turn into old nags. Uh, (laughs) In fact, I have a speech that I make to companies sometimes, you know, when they're looking for ideas on on really what we're talking about right here. I give them a four-step philosophy. I say you should always be friendly. You should always be fair. And then if you are, you can be frank and firm. And that's the difference in, as you said, getting people to go for the buy-in and not be the, tra- you know, the, the safety cop. The you safety know, the, cop, the, yeah, the safety cop, cop ruining you know. the days for people. And you have to understand that, you know, bad ideas don't die of their own accord. They have to be killed by better ones. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, let's move to number two. Number two, you said you may never know the number of people you have influenced Or exactly how did you say that? You may never know the number of people you have influenced or people you have changed. Or maybe or changed, right, right. Or changed. And one of the experiences as a safety person is that most people rarely tell you thank you. Most people rarely say thanks. So you really don't know, you really don't know the impact of your, your toolbox. You really don't know the impact of your safety awareness sessions. You really don't know the impact of your of your continuous engagement with with people. I'm going to give you a, a short story. Okay, we had the fire drill once, and then after the emergency action of people evacuating, then we called people over and then we taught them how to go about using the fire extinguisher. And then everyone just after after the meeting everyone just went their ways and oh well it's just a normal fire drill and after fire drill we have a we have like an, a little awareness session like every normal day and then a week later someone came to me and was like wow george thank you for showing us how to use the fire extinguisher you know there was a fire in my estate the other time and i was able to attack the fire at the incipient at the incipient stage and then i was able to put it off and I was like, wow, really, really. And he was like, wow, thank you very much.
for that uh, information, for that instruction, for taking us through on how to handle the fire extinguisher, I was able to apply it at home. And to me, that was the highlight of my day because I finally found or noticed that, wow, so people are actually listening. You're actually making an impact on people. But the thing is that people won't, wouldn't want to. People, people would rarely say so. So I would like to use this platform to encourage safe, other safety guys listening that keep doing what you're doing. They are actually listening. They're actually watching to you, watching you. The subconscious mind is actually picking things up. And then, okay, I, then I now, I now found a way of actually finding out what people think after my awareness session or after my toolbox session. I found a way of actually finding out, okay, am I really making an impact or do I really make sense? After each HSE sessions, awareness, toolbox, or briefs, then I started sending out. I started sending out feedback forms on engagement sessions. Like, okay, what do you think about this engagement session? How did it impact you? And what parts? What parts were you most impacted in? Is it in terms of your work? Is it in terms of culture? Is it in terms of perception? And also, how do we make our engagements better? And then. I noticed opinions started coming in, started filtering in. I would see some, I would see some feedbacks and I would see some people. And I made these feedbacks anonymous. You don't have to put your name down. And then I would get people say things like, wow, this section was impactful. At least I know, I know the essence of using the hand gloves now. I know the essence of safety. Safety is not just because of me, because, but because of my family at home. I know I can always intervene. Thank you very much for encouraging us. You, you see, you see very wonderful comments from people's feedback. Yeah, feedback feedback's very important. That does help reinforce things because as you said, talking about this idea of, you know, not really maybe knowing the number of people you've you've yeah. influenced or changed. Have I don't know, George, over in Nigeria or any of the people listening internationally, have you ever heard of the famous Christmas movie? Starring the late famous actor Jimmy Stewart, it's called "It's a Wonderful Life." Mm, no, no. Okay, well, all of you guys out there, all across the world, <laughs> you got Netflix, you got you know, whatever. Get the movie "It's a Wonderful Life." All right, because Jimmy Stewart plays the part in the movie and thinks his whole life is a failure, and then all of a sudden realizes all of the things that he's done to help and influence people. And had he not done that, yeah. it would have been a, a much less wonderful world to live in. Let's move on to number three. And that was something about understanding that safety is not just one subject matter. How yeah. did you say that? You're expected to be a subject matter expert in virtually everything. Everything and anything. Okay, say that. Say that one more time. You're expected to be a subject matter expert. Expert. Oh, you're expected to be subject, subject matter, matter experts. Expert. Yes. Okay. Yes. In 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 From various law, different things. Exactly. Cutting across law, cutting across human resources, cutting across engineering, cutting across psychology, and I I think it's a good thing in one way because it enables you to up your game and get involved with the nitty-gritty of the work. If you're, if you're like, for example, if you're working with engineers, then you really don't need the background in engineering as a safety guy to actually get involved and really know what the work is about. If there are standards and codes to be applied whilst doing the work, then you, you really need to get involved because people are, people are expecting you. Like, for example, someone, someone may even ask you, oh, 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 safety, what do you think is the 
standard guiding for protection. What are we expected to do? They expect you to be a walking encyclopedia of standards, of codes. And then in terms of psychology, people expect you to know, people expect you to know their moods, that uh, people expect you to know how they feel. Like at any point in time, you're supposed to know, you're supposed to read, can, can't you read my facial expression? Haven't you noticed that I haven't been up and doing at work? They expect you to be a psych, to, to be an expert in, in, in psychology or to be a mind reader. And I won't say it's bad. It also gives you an opportunity to up your skill in emotional intelligence. People are emotional beings. And that takes us to the first point that I said, you, your success is tied to people. People want to be connected on an emotional level. If you, if you can't connect with the workforce on an emotional level, then you may not, you may not be successful as a safety person. So you need to up your game on emotional intelligence. If you're going to well, be, okay. That actually is going to tie in with your fifth and final point. But let me go to the fourth one before we get there. And that has to do with preparation. Yeah, for tension. For tension, your, it seems safety is against operations. It seems you're against finance. It seems you're against services and production. For example, finance would always see safety as a cost center. They always see safety as a cost center and they will be like, oh, your budget, I think your budget for PPEs are on the high side. Do we have to continue to buy PPEs? Do we have to continue to, do we have to, do we have to continue to, what relevant are, in the, are, are the improvements you're trying to make? For example, I'll point out during the COVID, the COVID pandemic, we, we came up with an idea in our, in, in our safety department in terms of seating arrangements and if you want people to come up to work, you really need to put barriers on the tables. The barriers were never there before, but you need to put barriers to shield. And they're like, why would you be why would you be doing this? The finance, the, the, the finance department doesn't see from the side of safety. The operations of the projects or services doesn't see from the side of safety. And that ties in again to point one. You really need to make people understand and see. And then see from your own side. And that's the main reason for, for tension because people really can't see from your own side. For finance, it's all about the money. For operations and projects, it's all about, let's see how we can just get over this work. Let's see how we can close or just run through this project on time. For example, I'll, I'll give you an example for, for the subcontractors we manage. It's all about one of the requirements is your medical fitness and in which we verify. We, we verify the medical fitness, we verify your competencies, your qualifications and your certifications before you come on board, before you come on board to work. And then if depending on the number of personnel from the subcontractor's side, the verification process may take a while. And then you'd hear people like you hear people from the operation saying this is just taking a while. These guys are competent. You've you've looked at their experience list. The organization have had experience with other major major companies. Then what makes you think that the people, their personnel that you'll be bringing in, wouldn't be that competent? Well, just call this off. Why would you have to verify all this? But you really need to make them see that if you're trying to if you're trying to beat deliver um, the delivery time of a project. And then you get someone who has falsified his certificate or someone who isn't competent 
and then there is an accident or something goes wrong, you wouldn't meet delivery time and you would yeah. lose money that you're trying to save. Yeah. When, when are you going to have time to do it over again if you don't have time to do it right the first time, you know? Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to the fifth and final point, which kind of wraps it all up. The way you said was you said, welcome to a life of continuous learning. Oh, yes. Trust me. Trust me. I think Bruce Lee would say something that running water doesn't go still. So you're expected to keep upgrading yourself as a safety person because each year, each quarter, each month, there could be new standards, there could be new codes. You really need to keep reading on industry requirements and demands. And then people are changing. Even the workforce now we have now, I, I don't know if they're called the Generation Z. You really need to know how to engage. You really need to know how to engage the future workforce as a safety person. The way you oh, engage, that's a great point. That's yeah, a great you, point. You really need to know how to engage the future workforce as, as a safety person. The way you, en you engage the baby boomers wouldn't be the same way you want to engage the Generation Z. Things are changing. Then in terms of, okay, we, we even have, for example, now, the mental health is seen as a new risk in the workplace, even thanks to COVID, staying indoors and working at home, you can't come out, has an impact on the mental health. And then we are gradually opening up and we are gradually, we're gradually inviting people back into the office. The risk, of men, the risk of mental health is there. That risk, that mental impact can also be translated into the workplace and translated onto people's work. So thanks to ISO 45,003, 45, which is the new standard on managing psychological risk, and then you expect us as a safety person now to read up on it. Even, okay, for, for example, we, we noticed something that before men mobilize offshore now in, in Nigeria here, they really they go through an isolation period of a week or two, and then they run, they run the COVID test. Now, imagine you're all in isolation, alone in your room. You're not seeing anyone. The only way you can talk, talk to people is via phones, and, uh, via phones, emails, and then you're just there in the room. And then you're expected to mobilize, go offshore, and then do work. That alone, staying alone in the room, it's already impacting on the mental health. Some people are not used to staying at a the place. They're very restless. They're very active. They always want to move around. They always want to go around. They always love engaging physical engagement. So we noticed this and then we came up with ways. How do we manage, how do we manage this to ensure that they're mentally stable and they are fit mentally to actually go do work. So what we what we're doing now, we try to organize exercise session where people are where there's a social distance and people would exercise and then the safety guys would call them every day to check up on them whilst they're on quarantine. How are you doing? Have you spoken to your family today? And then you talk about what's going on outside. If, if it's a football game that they like to talk about, you just, you just, you just engage them. And that way you're managing the, the psychological impact of quarantine. But safety is a lot, lifelong time of learning. You really, you have to, you have to be open to learning from workers to, from workers to the management. They all would be teaching you Thing or That's exactly right. I once gave a graduation speech to a group of high school seniors and, <laughs> and I told them, and, and I had read this somewhere, you know, 
one of the things you often hear in graduation ceremonies is, well, your life is just beginning. <laughs> well, that's, that's the worst thing you can say. I mean, you know, they're sitting there saying, well, what have I been doing the last 18 to 20 years? You know, exactly. but I told him, I said, okay, so, so your, your life's not just beginning. You may be beginning a new phrase, you know, phase. a new phase of your life, yeah. but let me tell you something. Your life of learning is never, never over. ending. It's never so, ending. So that's, that's actually a good point. Well, George, thanks. I believe you ended that little 51 second video that we've turned into 20 minutes now. <laughs> you said stay safe and remain positive. Yes, exactly. So that's where we're going to that's where we're going to end that with everybody right now. George, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been entertaining and enlightening. We'll be sure to include your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes so anyone oh, listening can contact much. you directly and then you know, you may want to do some of your own LinkedIn posts at the same time to promote it. As I said, the OGGN Anderson Hauser website's in the show notes along with our LinkedIn and, and Twitter contact info. We want to thank everybody for listening and ask you to tune in again for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based and international partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Please leave us a review on iTunes, like us on LinkedIn, and use all of your social networking to tell your friends about us. And now here's Savannah. We'll see you next time. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for July 2021. This month we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're always interested in staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on July 29th. Our June happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the June one, we hope to see you there this month at our July happy hour. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Don't forget that it's on July 29th. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events. The first one being the Doug Permian and Eagle Ford Conference at the Fort Worth Convention Center from July 12th to July 14th. And the next in-person event is the SPE International Data Science Convention at the Norris Convention Center in Houston, Texas on July 8th. Next, we have our two online events. The first being a Cognite webinar titled, From Buzzwords to Boardrooms, What Energy Leaders Really Think About the Transition Towards True Sustainability. And that's on July 8th from 11.30 to 12.30. And lastly, we have the US Africa Energy Forum, which is online on July 12th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for July. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.